Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone. I've been doing a little travel, I'm a little road worn, but uh, glad to be here today. Uh, many of you know a team of us went to the Dominican Republic for a week. And uh, while we were uh, there, we just had such a blessing to be with Prudencio Rodriguez and his family. Uh, and uh, we have been supporting that work and that man since 1976. Uh, so I know many of you were not born yet. Uh, Ryan reminded me of that the whole trip. Uh, I told him, I think I have shoes older than he is. Uh, but uh, you know what's great is we just keep passing on from one generation to the next, the works that are going on in the kingdom. And uh, one of the very first places that we supported Prudencio was in Puerto Plata. And uh, he planted a church there. Uh, and so we went with him back to visit that church. He's planted, I don't know, 12, 13 churches at least. And then the guys he's trained up has planted churches. So it's a, he's had an impact all over the country. But we went to that very first home church, which actually this congregation helped establish we paid for their building back in the day and got them going, and they wanted to honor Prudencio, and then they wanted to honor us. And so they presented to the church, this church, to you guys, a uh, plaque. This is a kind of a wood-carved, uh, hopefully maybe I'll put it out where somebody can look at it. It's kind of their coat of arms type thing for their country, and it has on it uh, God, uh, homeland, and uh, liberty. Uh, from the Dominican Republic, and they put a letter on the back of this, uh, uh, welcoming and congratulating us and honoring us, uh, says to the brothers, of, at the very end of it, to the brothers, we salute the brothers in Louisiana, and with the love of Christ, and God be with you. And so, I want you to know that sometimes you, we might take up a little collection, we help somebody, we support somebody somewhere, and a lot of you don't get, you don't get a chance to go visit or see. Matter of fact, we're trying to bring Prudencio back here, uh, not this October, but next for our, uh, 60 years of ministry there. But, um, you guys did this. Alright? Thank you, church. Thank you, church. You are to be, uh, honored and encouraged by that. We give God the glory and we give the church encouragement. And that started a long time ago and still ongoing today. I love those kinds of ministries. Uh, also had a chance, uh, I was in Uvalde, Texas the last two days. Couldn't help but uh, I was doing a, Ray Melton and I, my old partner that used to preach here, we partnered up, did a funeral for a friend of ours down there, and uh, uh, we celebrated his life, and well, I kind of had a, a semi-family reunion among some of us while we were there. He sends his love, him, Ray, and Sharon. She's famous. She made Fox News a couple of weeks ago. Some of y'all might have seen Sharon on there. Uh, illegals were running across their yard and their ranch, and so she takes a gun and goes out onto the front porch. And before she could do anything, you know, Ray's still trying to get his shirt on, and uh, he's moving a little slower these days. And so the law enforcement tackled them all right there, and there was a guy with a camera, and 
Ray said, well, what are you, who are you with? He said, Fox News. And so he's interviewing Sharon. And so now, uh, if you happen to see that, why well, Sharon Melton is still impacting the world. So they do send their love and their greetings. I did walk around and pray for my old community there uh, at Rob Elementary School. And such a sad thing. And yet it reminded me. Reminded me that there's evil in the world. And there's going to be evil in the world till the Lord comes back. And between now and then, we're going to keep preaching the good news of Jesus and turning evil hearts toward God and, uh, and loving folks and helping people walk through tough journeys. And that's, that's what God's people does. All right. Chapter 11, verse 16 of Second Corinthians is where we are. We entitled this. A tough man with a tender heart, because you're going to see in this description, he really is a pretty tough guy. And uh, I appreciate so much Larry's lesson last week. He did a great job. And it's one of the things he emphasized about what you believe is so important. And what you believe and who you follow is very important. And so sometimes I think it's real easy when we discover God's grace and we get beyond our four walls, then it's almost like, okay, anything goes. Well, not anything goes. The gospel has to be the core center of everything we do. And uh, uh, we cannot get out of focus on that. We've got to make sure we stay centered on Jesus. And Larry really helped us um, make sure of that. You know, uh, let's just do a little bit of reading. First Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to start here. Uh, uh, in verse 16, I repeat what he said this last week, since I know everybody in here remembers everything Larry said, you know, I know you're set and ready to go. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting. I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Basically, he just says, okay, guys, y'all have been listening to all these super apostles and people bragging on themselves. He said, I don't really want to stoop to that level, but I, just for you, I'm going to do it. All right? That's kind of what happens here. And he says, since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. He's very sarcastic in some of this stuff, so he kind of had to hang with it. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Basically, he says, you have honored these guys and you're so enamored with these guys that you'll just do, you'll just follow, even when they abuse you, and they, you'll just follow them anyway. You just love them so much. They've made such a big impact on you. They're boasting. All these guys have been boasting about all the great things. And so Paul's going to get into a little little boasting himself. It's out of character with him, but he's going to do it. Now, we've all had experience, right, with guys that boast like this if it is and like this if it's okay. Hang with me here. It's like a. The teacher, this uh, one teacher, she always had her kids. She would uh, uh, she would always have them tell what happened over the weekend. And so 
uh, they all got up to school. She said, Johnny, little Johnny, tell me what happened that was so significant to you over the weekend. Johnny said, oh, oh, Miss Smith, she said, you just won't believe it. She said, I went fishing with my dad and I caught 75 catfish and each one of them weighed 75 pounds. She said, now, now, Johnny, you know, I mean, that's really hard for me. Oh, no. Are you sure that's true? Oh, yes, ma'am. That is true. I, that is exactly true. That's what I did over my weekend. Now, Johnny, that'd be hard to believe. So, uh, just think about it, little Johnny. If I told you on the way to school today, uh, a thousand pound grizzly bear confronted me and a little three pound dog ran up there, jumped, grabbed that bear by the nose and slung him back and forth till he killed him. I mean, would you believe that? Little Johnny said, matter of fact, I would. Really? Yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> well, some people know how to boast. The difference is, Paul, even in his boasting that he takes this route, still tells actual facts that were true about what happened in his life. The first thing you're going to see here is he's going to talk about the strength of heritage and compare it to theirs. Look what he says. I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about this. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. He says... I. They claim to be Hebrews. And that's something very special to them. They, they're still speaking the old Hebrew language. They, uh, they claim to be Israelites, meant God's chosen people. We're special. And then they say, matter of fact, Abraham is our father. Have you ever known of somebody that's just very proud of their heritage? The only problem is our religious heritage does not equal being right with God. Well, I've been in this church. My family started this church. And I'll tell you what, we did this and we did it. Really? Well, that's great. I'm glad you were there. But the heritage gives you no advantage with God. Now, this is hard sometimes for us to understand because somehow or another, we think our own history gains us a little bit of standing. Now, we honor people for what they do. But look. Being a Hebrew, being an Israelite, being a special person. That's what they were saying. Paul says, hey, I'm all that. I've had all those things in, in my past. I had that kind of great heritage. Had a guy one time tell me at a particular church I was speaking at and working with. And I, we had some new Christians there. We were doing some things a little bit different way than the church had done it normally. And he didn't like it. And, boy, he let me know about it one night. We're standing out on the, side, on the uh, sidewalk of the church. And he, I mean, he gets after me. I can't believe it. And I've been at this church such and such years and done this and done that. And I said, so let, let me just get this right. In other words, because you've been here longer, you have more rights about what goes on at this church than the new Christians that just got here. He said, that's exactly right. And I said, hmm, boy, brother, we're on a bad path then. Bad path. You know how many people who claim their heritage in their church has kept their church from growing and doing anything? 
We've got to be careful. We don't claim our roots that somehow or another give us rights. But that's what they were claiming. Paul says, look, I've got, I've got just the same, same credentials they do. Then he goes to these external hardships for Christ. Are they servants of Christ? Verse 23. But he makes these statements in between every now and then so you understand. He says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He said, this is not really how you ought to do this, but I'm going to do it. Are they servants? I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. So look, they claim to be servants. I'm, I'll tell you, I, I've been a servant of Christ. Let me tell you how hard it really has been. Now, all these beatings and these things that we're going to read about to happen to you, I... Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of religious messages that go out among pulpits that say, if you'll follow Jesus, man, life will get great for you. You'll have comfort, your uh, your money will do better, your position will do better, and you just name it and claim it. And, and I, it's so far from the biblical truth. You've got to understand, that doesn't mean God can't bless you in a lot of ways, but we don't come to God and serve Him and be His servants thinking somehow or another that's going to, uh, now all of a sudden I'm going to get $5,000 in the mail to pay my rent. I see these things on TV all the time. I am amazed how people dive in to the gospel of wealth and prosperity that's been preached. When you read this, you've got to be thinking, I don't know if I want in on this or not. I mean, it's going to be a hard road sometimes. I always tried to avoid beatings. How about you? Whippings? Did you ever try to avoid whipping? I remember my brother got in trouble at church one time when we were little, and my dad's like, okay, I'll get you at the house. And so we get to the house. We got on those old, you know, we wore church clothes back then. I mean, church clothes has changed if you look around our church. It's changed a little. You know, I mean, the most expensive thing people have on in this room is their camo. So I'm just saying it's changed a little around. And but my but we had these old thin dress pants, you know, and you only wore them to church. And so I mean, he had a, uh, we got to the house. Rick runs in there. He's going to get in there because he's going to put his jeans up before Dad gets to him with the with the switch. Unfortunately, Dad was a little quicker than he thought, and about the time he dropped those uh, church clothes, uh, Dad was on the spot, ready to roll. We try to avoid pain. We try to avoid whippings. I was early in high school. I had uh, my first class was study hall, one of my favorite classes. Did real well with it usually. Uh, some of you, some of you understand that, right? You know, you try to make good grades. I encourage people to make good grades. You know, about it's always people talk about being in the top ten percent of their class. I was in the percentage of the class that made the top ten percent possible. Okay, and so we were in study hall, and it's the first day of school, and some guys grabbed one of the girls' shoes and, you know, messing around. We're throwing it from each other back and forth, and the coach walks in, and he sees me catch it. And he said, that's it, Kelly, you and so you out of here. Go to the office. And I knew what that meant. You're fixing to get a whipping. We still whip back then, and... uh uh, might be something we need to restart. Nah, I better not go that route. I, I'll get, I'll be in trouble. Okay, anyway, 
I head up to the office, and I'm like, I don't want to get a whip. I head up, and I look in this room. It's, it's got my friends in it, and the teacher's not in there. Just a few of them. And I said, uh, they said, Kelly, come in here. And I said, what are, what are y'all doing? They said, we're taking driver's ed. I said, driver's ed? They said, yeah, you ought to get in here with us, man. Coaches, we go get donuts and drive around. And I thought, okay. So when I got to the office, they said, uh, why are you here? And I said, I want to change my schedule to driver's ed. And... uh I took a whole semester of driver's ed just to avoid a whipping, and it worked. I mean, it, you know, it didn't improve my driving, but anyway, we got there. I avoid those. I want you to look at what Paul went through, the whippings and the beatings and the... Think of, look at this right here. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times. If you want to know exactly how many lashes, five times 40 and then take five off of it because they go 39, right? Because if you went over, then you got the whipping. Five times. And sometimes people, they would die of these whippings. He had five times that whip around his back and around his body. Three times I was beaten with rods. The, 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 the lashes were from the Jews. That's how they did the punishment. The rods were from the Romans. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He ain't talking about his drug use. Got it? He's talking about physically those rods. Matter of fact, was left out. Inside the town where they stoned him for dead. They thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food, and I've been cold and naked. This is the description. Can you just imagine? Think with me for a minute. By the way, the shipwrecks listed here, this was written before the shipwreck he has later on in Acts. It's not even, it can add another time to it. What did his back look like? What did his joints feel like? How difficult was for him to lay down on whatever they gave him to lay down on in that jail to try to rest that weary body? And some of you have aches and pains and 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 things that have that that have that have just torn up your body and you know how difficult it is even with modern medicine to rest and sleep. Can you imagine all the different things that set in on his joints and his body and his scars that he went through as a servant for Christ? Now, I think it's really important to notice. He did not use the hardships of his life as a marketing tool for religious success. 
He doesn't like to talk about it. Matter of fact, he says, I'm talking as a fool, like the old natural man, that when I even bring all this stuff up, I don't really want to talk about it like this. Now, modern day, if a guy went through all that kind of stuff, we would be paying him all kinds of money to come and give your testimony to our church. Let's hear about your stories of survival. And, and let, he'd have a book out and all these kinds. That's not what Paul did. Now, he told a testimony. His only testimony was about his conversion and how Jesus changed his life. It wasn't about him and all the things he went through. It was about what God went through for him. And we need to learn that about our testimonies. It's about what God has done, not what we've been through. Amen, brother. Amen. It's important. Then he says this. That was the external. Then he says this internal thing. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. He said, all that outside stuff happening, that's a burden. But the real burden to me every day is when I think about all the churches that I love and I've poured my life into. That's the pressure. There's pressure and there's burdens. When you serve a church and you love people in your church and you've seen them uh, when, when they were first converted and you watch them walk through all kinds of difficult patterns and uh, journey parts of their life that are difficult and you hurt for them and, and you want better for them. And there's a burden there. Alan has baptized a lot of people in this room. I've baptized a lot. Paul, other, a lot of other folks. And when we see you after your conversion go through difficult times, it's a, it's a, there's pressure. When we're trying to figure out how do we disciple this group that they're going to multiply the gospel into the next generation, how do we do that? And there's a burden there. Well, you have to sit down and confront someone about their life. There's a burden there. And Paul said, can you imagine his, of all the people he had converted, and especially with this Corinthian church, you all, we already learned through the first letter how heavy the burden was. For Paul, because he loved them. He just loved them so much. He was a tough man, but he was tender-hearted. And he wanted the brothers and sisters just to grow and be disciples of Christ. So you can imagine how discouraging it was when, when these guys come in that are false teachers and claim to, to be super apostles, start pulling them away into other things that they shouldn't believe or do. And his heart is just, oh, burden. My heart was thrilled yesterday. I was in Uvalde, Texas, and four young people walked up. I said young people. They're 50-something years old. It's young to me. They were all teenagers when I was, was there, and we converted them to Christ. Out of every one of them, out of a difficult family situation. Very hard situation. And you're just like, I just don't know how they're going to make it in life. But you just, you pour into them. You love them. You carried them to your house. You did things with them. And, and now they all came back there. And, 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 and Ray was telling them, guys, you don't know how proud we are of you. All of your situations are so difficult. Yet you became God's children. And now look at you. All these years you're serving God. And I told Ray, I said, Ray, youth ministry was worth it. I mean, look at this, right? 
And then one of those men turned to us and said, no, you don't understand. He said, you saved our lives. The burden that we felt back then all just went into joy when that young man told me that. So while you're working with people and you're burdened by them, uh, look, there's joy to come as they grow and learn and mature. and You watch them on this long journey. It's great. And I know some of you sitting out there worried about your kids. The jury stays out a long time. You planted the seed, put faith in God. God will bring back them and bring fruit about in their life. And it will be worth the concern that you have. Hang in there. Okay? Hang in there. I read Paul's situation and I think, you know, I, I really hadn't had to go through anything difficult. When I look at his life, I'm like, look, there's nothing. Now, I don't know what God, uh, what part of the journey God will bring me on next. But so far, I, man, I, I've enjoyed the comforts of life still believing in Jesus and preaching. And I've been to places all over the world, and I see they don't have that. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know why, God, you let me live at this time in history, at this time in life to have what I have. I, it's I know I don't deserve it, and I, I don't know if you just know I couldn't stand it or I couldn't make it or what. Maybe I'm not tough enough or tender-hearted enough. I don't know. But I look at Paul, and I think, wow, this guy, this is the model of faithful servant of Christ. These other people trying to teach the Corinthians, they didn't have that in their life. They hadn't planted churches. They hadn't loved folks. They hadn't went through the things Paul had gone through. Now, he mentions one last thing in verse 29. Or in verse 30, he says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. I thought, that's kind of odd. And then he tells the story of one of those. And this is real, this kind of really strange because the story he tells happened before all the other things he mentioned. This happened at the very beginning of his ministry. Look what he says. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. I like what one man said that uh, Paul saw his weakness and became a basket case, <laughs> you know. But can you imagine? He's just finished studying for three years. He's fired up for God. He's got all this desire to see the world one. And he comes in there really ready to blaze and go with the good news of Jesus in Damascus. And things get so bad. But they have to. That wall, by the way, was big enough to on the top to ride chariots around, march men through. And then they had a big old area in there where there was a window and had this huge basket. And because they were trying to capture him, they put Paul in that basket and they lowered him down to escape his enemies. You know, you come into a place, you think I'm ready for it, and all of a sudden you're running, scared. Having to be saved by some brothers and sisters. 
just so your life is spared. Of course, what he didn't really understand, look what God did through the life that God spared that night. Yet to him, it was a weakness. It was a weakness that God turned around and made such a great strength of life by. You got any weaknesses in your life? Oh, yeah. Everybody says we do. But when you look back, do you boast about them? Is that what you talk about? Do you talk about the accomplishments and the strengths, or do you talk about the weaknesses? When I'm weak and made strong. Well, I want to wrap up today with one verse that everybody's familiar with, but we tend to forget the last phrase of this verse, okay? It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul wrote it and said this, For it is by, by no, grace. It is by grace. Say it with me. It is by grace. It is by grace. You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. There's nothing I can do. I couldn't work it. I could, look, if I went through everything Paul went through, it doesn't get me any closer to being saved. You can't earn it. It's a gift of God, not by works. And here's the phrase I don't want you to forget. So that no one may boast. We usually get the emphasis on this passage about being saved by grace. And we are. And I'm grateful for grace. Aren't you? But I got to remember when I'm, I'm grateful for God's grace, it is God's gift. And why is it done that way? So that no one can boast. You know what those false teachers were doing to the Corinthians? Boasting. Paul said, I'll join in a little bit just to show you how silly this is. Here's some things I went through for Christ. But when it comes down to it, you can't do anything that will equal you becoming right with God. Nothing. Nothing. Even in your repentance and confession and baptism, those are all responses to the grace of God. They don't earn you the grace of God. Baptism is not a work that says I ought to be right with God now that I've performed this. No. No, you miss it if you see it that way. It's a submission. It's always, by the way, in the passive voice, I'm submitting to God's grace. It's an experience of grace. And I can never boast about being right with God. I can only be thankful for God's grace. You want in on that grace? You can have it today. You can walk out of here 100% sure you're right with God by submitting to the grace of God because of the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you have a need, you can come while together we stand and sing.